0: That's a good oh, thing. My wife forwards me. I didn't know. Oh, good. He says we're live. Oops.
1: Okay, we're live. Got it fixed. Let me, let me thank Sergio for that. Facebook changed some rules. We have no Facebook live stream, but YouTube is live. Okay. There we go. Okay. Let me go ahead and uh, we'll get started. We're a little bit late today. The streaming wasn't working and Facebook has changed some rules, so we're not streaming on Facebook. But we're in, uh, oh, we've got a couple prayer requests to uh, say before we get started. We got uh, Dean and Doris, who I mentioned last week, we're going to have a baby, had a baby A-OK, but she had some real uh, postpartum bleeding and she's in recovery and that was a day ago, so I assume she's still there. And then Roz is having continued problems from her hip replacement from back in May 2018. And I brought her up before, and apparently that is still bothering her. She's still limping, and she wants to be able to have the uh, ability to do all the activities that she's done before. And then Mark and Becky are still having sickness and other trials, which uh, are keeping keeping them from the joy that they need. And then we have Clarissa emailed me this morning and she's in need of finding a new job because of Brexit. That's been going on for a while with her and uh, still is not uh, worked out. And then Mike is in pain. That's all I got this morning was an email from my friend Mike and he says he's in pain and he'd like some prayers. And then Pastor Jacob in India has high sugar and uh, he's got a wound on his leg which needs surgery because of that, I guess he's diabetic Mm -hmm. and you gotta get them to quiet down and uh the uh he needs surgery also for diabetic retino ret retinopathy retinopathy i guess is how you say that anyway so he's got two problems with diabetes which are are uh, bothering him and uh then uh we got a couple visitors that just walked in vince and Pat from maine first time i've seen them and uh, we welcome you hope that you'll have a good time while you're here they're staying in sarasota for a month or so and uh then we just had steve who is here every winter he's in from uh, Indianapolis just walked in and so there you go we got all those prayer requests and uh, once again we're apologizing for getting started late on the uh, streaming but some things have been changed what's that oh yes Freda and Darla thank you very much Freda and Darla which I mentioned them on Sunday but I need to mention them again today both of them Darla struggling with real problems with her teeth and uh, other problems in her her mouth and then we also have um, Uh, fredda who's just had some real bad pains in her back and uh, elsewhere in her body so let's go to the lord and ask for all these people that we mentioned lord you know every person we mentioned and all the others that are struggling with their trials and lord it's just a a very difficult time for some of these people some of them have had this going on for over a year now some of them for several months and uh, lord we just ask that your hand be with them and help them through their difficulties and trials and uh there are some people that are not here tonight and usually are here so we're hoping that there's no problem at home and that uh, there's not sick or anything and lord anybody else that we fail to mention or that just is struggling with their own trials or troubles we would ask that you would be with them and give them comfort through their trials and these things are are uh, just they're keeping them from being able to praise you as they would like to and that's a difficult place to be because you're worthy of it and uh We all know that, and it's hard when we can't reach out and just give you the glory you're due. And Lord, we would ask that this uh, study would be a blessing to those who listen, and uh, we just pray that uh, it'll be something that maybe somebody will benefit from and be uh, uplifted by. And so we pray that that you will be glorified and that we'll be built up in your word, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, we've got 1 Corinthians Fifteen. So we're almost done with chapter uh, fifteen of One Corinthians, but what a marvelous chapter it's been so far! And we're in verse forty-four. So if you want to start just a little earlier in a paragraph or whatever, forty-two. Forty-two.
0: So will it be with the resurrection of the dead? The body that is is sown is perishable; raised, imperishable. It is sown in dishonor; is raised in glory. Mm. It is sown in weakness; it is raised in power. 44. It is sown in natural body. It is raised a spiritual
1: body. Okay. Is that it? That's now, all you got? If
0: there is a natural body, there <laughs> is also a spiritual body. Okay. Body. Very, do very, I don't
1: know. Very close to uh, the same reading. I won't even bother reading this version because it's it's almost identical, but uh, let's see what we got here. Paul continues with his explanation of the resurrection body, as it's said in verses 42 and 43, it's sown in corruption, it's raised in incorruption, it's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory, and he said, uh, hang on one second, Sergio says, uh, uh, okay, I don't know what that is, but it's not important to that, okay, and then in verse 44, he says it's a nat- sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body, so Paul continues with this explanation, still referring to the example of a seed, that he says that it is sown a natural body, seeds are sown, The corrupt and weak bodies of the dead are buried. This is its natural state, and this is what is placed into the ground. Just like all of the animals of the earth, they live a certain amount of time, they age, and then they die and return to the soil from which they came. That's just the natural way of things. However, for the believer in Christ, the body that was sown will have a marvelous change. Burke was getting excited about that before the Bible class today. Uh, Paul says that it is raised a spiritual body. It has to be noted here that it does not say a spirit body. This would be contradictory to a literal bodily resurrection. The body which is raised is spiritual, not a spirit. Misunderstanding this or purposefully changing the intent and meaning, as for example the Jehovah's Witnesses do, leads to heresy. Christ was raised with a literal physical body. He made this abundantly clear when he ate among the apostles and even when they he asked them to touch him. He was showing that his body was, in fact, a literal and physical body. As we will be like him in nature, but not in deity, but in body, we will also have a literal physical body. This is something that will be forever and forever. We're not going to be spirit beings. We're not going to be like the angels. When he made the comparison about angels, he was not saying that we would be like angels in that way. Angels are what are known as ev- eternal beings. They had a creation, but they have no ending, okay? They have their what also what is known as fully actuated potential. They were created with potential. That was actuated. They have no potential for change after that point. They're spirit beings, whereas humans are what we would call progressively actuating potential. That means that we have potential to do things and then we actuate that and we move on to something else. I've got the potential to chop off my foot, okay? If I did chop it off, then I would have no, no longer have the potential to do that. I could have the potential to have it sewn back on, but you see, my beard has the potential to get grayer than it is. My hair has, uh, or my head has the potential to lose more hair than it already has. That's all potential. I have the potential to learn. I have the potential to get old. I've, and we will always have that. We will always grow in age because we will be bound by time because we will be in a created order, the way we were intended to be all along. Angels aren't like that. Angels are outside of the created order in the sense that they're spirit beings, they're eternal. Okay? So we just need to make sure that we don't make that mistake because that's what the. Can we help you, ma'am? I'm uh, just saying. Eveternal, a e v i t e r n a l I believe Ev eternal yeah anyway I may have spelled that wrong cuz I'm trying to imagine it in my eyes but it's very close to that okay. anyway so there you go with that and um, so uh, we will not be spirit beings we will be spiritual beings all right Christ was raised as I said with a literal physical body okay to ensure that his words are perfectly comprehended He repeats the thought saying there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body in an emphatic way Paul is showing here that there are two bodies for the believer we have one like a seed which dies and yet there is another which sprouts from that decay to be like a plant it is different in form and yet it has all of the same life as the original and that's important to understand because people will say I've heard people say this, you know, they go to their pastor or priest when they were young and they say, am I gonna remember the things I did when I die?" And they say, no, you won't have any memory of that. That's completely incorrect. We will have all of the memory that we ever had in this life. We will remember why we needed to be redeemed. We'll remember the joy that we felt when we were redeemed. We'll remember how we let that fade in our hearts and we kind of treated it callously and we'll remember all of these things and we will understand that Christ never took away our salvation despite all of our failings we're gonna remember all of that we will be who we are but in a different body okay that's led people so many people away from uh, knowledge or uh, a desire to know God is because they say, oh yeah you're you're not gonna remember this life at all well then what's the point I there wouldn't be any point of being saved because you're not you But we are going to be us. We will always know who we are and what we have done and where we were brought from and to, etc. So, anyway, um, it's different in form, yet it has all the same life as the original. And rather, we will derive our continuance from our spiritual reconnection to God through the power of the resurrection. And just a short analysis there life application, what God has promised, He is fully capable of fulfilling. No one understand that we will have a literal body and it will never wear out even for eternity of eternity of eternity whatever it will be like it will be something that we won't be waking up in the morning and thinking oh I can't go on today it won't be like that we will have you know more power than the energizer bunny rabbit and we're going to just go on but we will always be in joy in that state right now we don't always have joy as a matter of fact I think it would be the exception rather than the rule we have times of joy we may have a lot of them but I think in the The most of the time, it's not joy. It's just life. It might be happy. It might be sad. It might be whatever. But it's not what we would consider real joy. But that will be unending. It will be a spiritual, not a natural, body that we have in nature. All
0: right.
1: The The use of the word what?
0: Body indication that it's going to have.
1: Absolutely, body. That's right. It's an indication that we will have something physical and whatever it is that is planned. All we need to do when we think of what it's going to be like and it it, it's just an easy way of grasping it is that we will be like we were originally intended to be everything that was at the beginning before the fall of man is what we can expect and the uh, hopeless nature of Adam and Eve after the fall shows us how wonderful it was for them okay and how they desperately wanted to get back to that and so whatever it is that they had lost they didn't understand What they were losing when they lost it and so this is what God has promised to bring us back to it may actually be better I don't know but it will be comparable to what Adam and Eve had it will be a life that can never end and it will never end because the difference between the Garden of Eden and where we are in paradise is that they had access to the tree of life and they didn't take advantage of it We will have access to the tree of life and we have taken advantage of it it was the cross of Calvary he is the tree of life and so uh, what was will be again because of what has been in Christ we had the tree of death which was the law it was the tree of knowledge of good and evil Christ hung on that and at the same time from the same tree is the tree of life where life springs forth for all eternity for us and so we will have forever eternal life and it will be in a state that we can't even comprehend right now I don't want to say it's going to be exactly like the Garden of Eden but that is a good thing that we can think about there'll be no death there'll be no tears and God will be there fellowshipping with us face to face okay so there you go 1545
0: there is a natural body oh, did that. so is written the first man Adam, became a living being the last Adam a life-giving spirit oh
1: good stuff in the previous verse, Paul noted that there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body in support of this he returns to Scripture to establish that this is an indisputable truth here he cites the Greek version almost all of the citations in the New Testament whether it's Peter or Paul or John even when Jesus is cited it's almost always out of the Greek once in a while they defer to the Hebrew but almost always they go to the Septuagint the translation of the 70 in order to uh, do their citations that's what the same thing here he cites the Greek version of the Old Testament from a portion of Genesis 2 verse 7 so if you had the Greek copy in front of you it would be a literal reading but it'll still be very close to the Hebrew it's just they cite the uh, the uh, Greek when they normally cite in the New Testament and the Lord God formed man Out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being he adds into the thought the words first and Adam to show the contrast between our first father Adam and our Redeemer Christ even though Jesus isn't mentioned directly in this verse it's obvious that he is substituting his name for the term the last Adam it is similar to what he submits in Romans chapter 5 where he says in romans 5 verse 19 for as by one's man disobedience many were made sinners so also by one man's obedience many were made righteous these contrasts are given to show us a distinction between our mortal human nature and our anticipated eternal nature through the work of god in christ god breathed life into the mortal man adam at that time there was no anticipation of death But there is also the truth that he was fashioned from the dust and is thus closely connected to it. After his creation, he was told that there would be consequences for disobedience. The account goes on to show that he disobeyed and he died. This was a first spiritual death, a spiritual disconnect from God, and this eventually led to his physical death as well. In contrast to this, this very sad state, which is inherited by all of adam's fallen seed that's one of the points that we make time and time again throughout all throughout all of the epistles is that sin is inherited we need do nothing in order to be condemned john three eighteen. he who believes in the son is not condemned He who does not believe is condemned already. that's right condemned already there's nothing we need to do to earn hell nothing that's our default position what we need to do is get out of that default position and that is to come to christ I posted something, the celery fields, did you see that article about the celery fields? Okay, they're not even celery fields anymore, but somebody is out there protesting that they don't want the celery fields developed. Okay, so I posted on there something, because people are out there with their banners, save the celery fields. I simply posted on there, I wish people would be this excited about human life. As they are about celery fields and the abuse that i got from these people but one person really seemed concerned at first she was antagonistic and she's like oh you know you have to inject your your christian thinking into that and i said well, you know i just gave a defense for why i believe what i believe i said we're all going to stand before the lord for judgment she says well that's fine for you but are you saying that everybody on the planet has to stand before your god and i said there's only one god I said, that's a category mistake on your part if you believe that I am the one that is developing the religion. God has revealed himself. It's not that it's my God. He's the God of all people. It's just you need to come to him. And she started to back off, which is very rare with liberals. I got to tell you, usually they're they're just full of hatred. But she seemed to uh, understand that maybe I need to read the verses that I quote. I gave her John fourteen six, and I gave her one from... Uh, Uh, Timothy, where he's going to judge all the people and a couple more on judgment. And I said, this is what God expects of us. I said, the last thing I said to her is, I hope you'll come to him. There wasn't anything belligerent in me or anything else. It was just, you know, this is what the Bible proclaims. You're the one that has to make the choice. Your default position is already on the highway to, you know, heck. So uh, you need to get out of that. Yes.
0: Charlie, wouldn't it be nice if everybody got... Excited about Christ on Sunday as Absol- people are at football games.
1: Yes, play? absolutely. She said, if you didn't hear she said, wouldn't it be nice if people were as excited about Christ on Sundays as they were about football games? Absolutely. I mean, what are our priorities? We're going to go to sports games on Sunday or we're going to go to the beach on Sunday. Hey, it's great to go to the beach. Don't get me wrong. It's great to go to the sports game. I, my dad's a great sports fan. But what are your priorities in life? you, you got to ask yourself, if you're not reading the word and if you're not seeking out God in the fellowship of believers and listening to a sermon, you know, somewhere, you've got your priorities way wrong. But you're absolutely right about that. Anyway, um, uh, so uh, let's see here. I gave you the contrast there and uh, he was fashioned from the, uh, the dust of the earth and that he died and there was a spiritual death and then a physical death okay in contrast to that which was inherited by all of adam's fallen seed there is christ as paul calls him the last adam he was not born with adam's inherited sin and he lived in sinless perfection under god's law i think everybody here understands this but maybe some of you have missed it is that is the picture of circumcision circumcision was given to abraham as a covenant okay you will circumcise your uh, descendants your offspring in the flesh on the eighth day and anybody that doesn't is to be cut off and you say why did God give that to them because we're obviously not required to be circumcised in the church Paul argues against it completely in the book of Galatians so why did he do that and what changed what changed was that it was a picture of the coming Christ you've got the six days of creation the day that God rested and then you've got the eighth day the new day the day of new beginnings, and that's the day of circumcision. It's on the eighth day, and all that was was a picture of Christ to come. Adam's sin is transferred from father to child all the way down through all generations. It goes from father to child, father to child, okay? And so, when Christ came, he wasn't born of a human father. He was born of God and of a human mother. So, he's fully human, but he didn't inherit man's sin nature or Adam's sin nature the line was cut it was a picture of the cutting of that sin line on the eighth day the day of new beginnings okay and so that is what happened in circumcision that is what Christ came to fulfill and that's why we don't need to be circumcised anymore is because the line is cut in Christ and Paul says if you allow yourself to be circumcised Christ will profit you nothing you're a debtor to the whole law why Because he is the fulfillment of those types and shadows and of the law of Moses. And people keep wanting to go back into the law. They keep wanting to go back into the law and they keep bringing condemnation down on themselves. If people could just simply understand that everything was anticipating the coming of Christ and in him is the fullness of all of those things, they wouldn't be doing these things. But we need to get that part of our theology straight is that christ has fulfilled the picture of circumcision the line of sin is cut and in faith in christ we move from adam to christ we don't physically and actually do it until we die but it is done in god's mind the moment that we come to christ another argument for eternal salvation by the way okay so once again having paid the price for sins of man through his death he became a life-giving spirit as paul says Paul speaks of this again in Romans chapter 8. He says there in Romans 8 verse 11, I'll start with 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you same concept Paul is very consistent in his teachings and that's what he's speaking about both in Romans and now again in 1 Corinthians 15 as Matthew Poole says of this verse Adam was the first with respect of natural and carnal propagation so Christ was the last head in respect of grace and spiritual regeneration he was made a quickening spirit life application we are we still bear Adam's fallen nature until this corruptible body is done away with we struggle against the flesh and the weaknesses of this life however for those who have called on Christ these things are already defeated and are only awaiting their final realization be fully confident that whatever weaknesses and temptations remember that list I read at the beginning today all these people with problems and weaknesses and trials and temptations and whatever you face now they will be done away with when christ comes to change us and bring us to himself and i know it doesn't make it any easier to tell a person i'll pray for you they're not healed and they continue to struggle with all of their pains and trials and they think well it's just words it's not just words it's words coming from charlie garrett it's words coming from any of us when we say it's going to be okay and christ has given us a better hope it's just words but if you apply them to yourself If you think about them in the context of who you are in your struggles, who you are in your troubles, who you are in whatever's going on in your life, and you say, Christ has overcome this, it becomes real. Okay, as I said, when I say it's going to be all right and Christ has something better for you, I understand it may just go right over your head because you're miserable. But if you take those words and you apply them to yourself and say, I know that I have a better hope than this life. It doesn't matter if you're in a prison in China it doesn't matter if you're suffering with cancer here it doesn't matter it will be behind you I understand it matters in the temporary but it does not matter in the long term and you just have to keep reminding yourself of that if you have faith in Jesus Christ you should not let anything take away your faith in Jesus Christ not pains not financial difficulties nothing but that is something you have to get from yourself internally I can't interject it into you jim can't inject it into you i said interject the first time we can try that's all we can do is try to remind you of the hope that you once possessed and that you need to reestablish in your heart it is true it is reality it's not just something that these people wrote and you know i could go to another religion and find more comfort and solace you will not this is the only hope of man and it is a real hope that we have it is the hope of christ in us okay it's the hope of glory so Try to apply that to yourself when you're struggling with these things. And then at the same time, you've got 10 million other verses that you can also think about. Uh, what did Paul say? I asked three times for him to take it from me. And he said the, and the divine answer came back. My grace is sufficient. Okay. We have to just remind ourselves of these things. Is that there are times in our life where we're not going to be healed of the pains that we have. We're not going to be whatever. But Christ is there with us through those times. And i assure you whatever you're going through it, it does not compare to what he went through god incarnate stepped out of the infinite realm and he lived a miserable life in the presence of people persecuting him backbiting him stabbing him and you know uh, judas betraying him and knowing in advance that it was going to happen it's not like us where we say oh, maybe we'll have good times tomorrow he knew it was coming and he continued to go through it so Try in your times of difficulty to apply what you know about Christ and keep reading the word. The more you do, the more that it will be there with you while you're going through these troubles. But once again, those are my words and and it it has to come from your connection with Christ and your ability to say, I'm going to just let him, let me be me in his presence. So
0: when uh, Paul stole, was in his last days? Wow. I mean, he was suffering.
1: He really was.
0: Um, you know, you still hold tight, but you know, you, you have questions. It's like he's like you know that moment. Yeah. And I go, uh, I can't answer it. I, I can't answer it, but we've all been through the similar thing, and that we were all born. That's right. And nobody ever sits back and go, oh my gosh.
1: What a born, transition! Oh
0: my gosh, that was so terrible. It's like I'm talking. It's. That's,
1: that's right. Yeah, that's 100% correct. Is it, You know, and it, it, it's not, to me, it's not worth speculating on. What's going to be like when I die? I don't care. In all honesty, I'm not trying to be smug about that at all. I just don't care. What I want is to be with Jesus. And if death is a natural part of getting there, no problem with that. I don't want it to be a painful death. I don't want it to be a lingering death. But whatever he has ordained for us, that's what he has ordained. And we just have to accept it. We're not going to change our fate. We're not going to, you know so anyway 46 here we go sure. yes
2: i'll plug you here your your daily reading which was 225 today yes parallel what you've just been saying so much wow uh, you know so you people need to go there then i want to ask a question okay okay here it says being and became a living being, being right and then by uh, reading here on this, 1 Corinthians 15, mine says soul, man became a living soul. Nefesh, yeah. So is this word being and soul synonymous?
1: Well, I'd have to look it up in the Greek. It's uh, suke probably. I'm thinking nefesh in Hebrew. But uh, uh, do you want me to look it up right now, or do you want to do that afterward?
0: well yeah.
1: He wants me to look it up now. Okay, <laughs> give, give me just a second, because I don't have that right in front of me. So, uh, but. You've asked, and uh, you're going to make all the people streaming online have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm looking up this particular verse for uh, uh, for Burke, Burke right now, biblehub.com. And so what, why are you doing that? Okay, it, let me, uh, first, what verse are we looking at uh, that you're reading? Is it the one we're doing right now?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: 1 uh, Corinthians what? Uh, 45. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Okay, and I don't remember what I typed on uh, 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 2 Peter 5 this morning. I I was really stressed for time, and so I posted it without rechecking it. So uh, I hope there... uh, It was good. uh, It was good. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, yeah, this one says, um, uh, became a uh, life-giving spirit, a life-giving spirit as Christ. And you're talking about Adam as a living... What word are you looking for me to look for?
2: Okay, in Genesis, it says being. Man became a living being. Okay, that would be in the
1: flesh, a soul. Huh? Okay, so what is it you're looking for in this verse?
2: This, this one, it says soul. Okay, okay,
1: yeah, the word is suke. It's, it's it, the same, it would be comparable to the Hebrew nefesh or soul. It's uh, the vital breath, the breath of life, the human soul, the soul as the seed of affections and will, the self, a human person, an individual. So, But
2: it, yours read, your, your reading and Jim's reading said being again in here instead of soul.
1: Okay, well, I don't care. That's the translator's preference. Yeah, I just gave you what the Greek says, and so now you have that answer. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, that's translator's preference. They may say a living being. They may say a living soul. And, you know, the reason why they do that is because if you have a word for word, they will say you're plagiarizing off of our translation. And so that's why all translations have to come up with something that isn't the same. They may reword the entire structure of the the sentence and put, you know, the first clause in front of the second. And they're trying to do that so they don't actually plagiarize because there's only so many words you can use with a translation when it says suke, which is the soul or the the nefesh of the Hebrew. Okay. I
2: read in Psalms so many times, soul, the soul,
1: the soul. That's right. And that would be the nefesh, the soul of the man, which is the comparable Greek word here. Okay. Okay. That's what it is. And so... Uh, with these guys they just decided to say being and so that once again that's completely translators preference and you know you can have uh, if you go through the we always start with the Psalm 119 and we you go through there and you'll see uh, your statutes O Lord your judgments are and your precepts are and then another Bible will say your precepts are your judgments are and your statutes are they take the same words and they translate them differently because it it's gonna say exactly the same thing and all of a sudden they're going to, well, you copy you plagiarize stuff of our copy and you owe us royalties and it just becomes a mess. And so there's only so much they can do. And that's why one will say a being, one will say a soul. But the word is soul. That's what you're looking for. Okay. So and I know that's kind of complicated, but, you know.
0: So I wonder if the tribes in New Guinea have attorneys that are going to be watching to see if.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm sure they do. Yeah, make sure that Ray doesn't plagiarize somebody oh, in his man. translation of the. The Bible. Okay, so here we go. We got um, 1546.
0: The spiritual did not come first. No. the natural. After that, the spiritual.
1: Okay, he's. I know it sounds like he just keeps repeating himself. He's not. He's making a logical argument from one point to the next. And sometimes there's going to be a little bit of. Uh, what do you call it overlapping in the thought but this is he's being very precise so that we understand what is going on and why it's going on from adam to christ okay speaking of the process of the resurrection and the order of it paul now explicitly states a truth to consider which confirms what he has been saying there's an order to the progression of man not meaning all men but those who will be of the resurrection Earlier in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 21 through 23, Paul spoke of this order which has been ordained. Included in it is not only resurrection to life, but a different category of life than what we currently understand. There was first the natural. Adam was created as a living being. Now, the reason why I said earlier that what Adam was is comparable to what we will be, it doesn't mean that we're going to be made of the earthly substance like Adam was. That was making a picture of what was coming, okay? There, he had to make him in some way, and he made him out of the earth, the Adama of the, the red earth of the ground. And so he called him Adam, all right? But Adam, if he did not sin, obviously would have done what? He would have lived forever. That's what I'm talking about there. Adam would have lived forever if he didn't sin. God knew he would sin. You know, I read something, somebody posted something that Calvin said that God ordained that he would sin. Okay? I don't believe that. I do not believe that God ordained that man would sin. He knew that man would sin. And there's a giant difference between the two. I do not believe that God purposefully created man and said, You're going to sin so that this is going to go through this logical process. Instead, God said, I'm going to create you. I know that this is what's going to happen. And it's the same thing as free will with us. Because if you take the Calvinism to its logical state, then as we did with the ducks going down the river, which we'll do again maybe before we leave 1 Corinthians, we've only got a couple more weeks in this, but uh, there's, you've got the, the different states. Did God create Jim Dwyer to be destroyed? Or did he create him to be regenerated? Okay. Or did he create Jim Dwyer and all people with the choice? And from there we have free will to choose or to deny Christ. And the logical answer is the scriptural answer as I read the Bible is that God has given us free will it doesn't negate that God knows what we're going to do that he knew what we were going to do and he knows everything that's ever going to happen but he allows us the choice okay that does that means that God is not willfully condemning anybody because then that would be contrary to Scripture where Peter says that God wishes that or desires that none uh, Perish. perish but all come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ Free will must be involved in that, because if not, then that completely contradicts the rest of Scripture. Okay, so when I said earlier that we will be like Adam in that sense, it means that we will be in a state where we will not be capable of dying. Whereas the difference with Adam was he was capable of dying because he was given law and by law is the knowledge of sin we're not under law, we will not be under law. Whatever God has in store for us, there will not be the ability for us to be imputed sin, and therefore we will live forever. Otherwise, if we have some type of law that we could violate, then we could, and we would most certainly, violate that law, and we would be condemned after because
0: that. We eternity.
1: Uh, if yeah. we had eternity to blow it, that's absolutely right. So whatever the blow. state is like, and I'm not going to try to guess what heaven is like outside of the few things that the Bible tells us about it but it will be something on a completely different category than what we know now completely and it'll be you won't be dissatisfied we can all be assured of that so uh, he spoke of the order there Adam was created as a living being brought being brought from the dust he was given free will and he known to God before it happened exercised that free will in doing so corruption ensued this is the state of the natural however For those who will participate in the resurrection, like the seed which changes into something else, we too will change. It will be from the natural into the spiritual. This is the process which God has ordained for the order of things. Whereas the natural was of decay and death, the spiritual will be of eternal vigor and life, which is good news for all of us. Life application, what we perceive now. Will be put away in something far better than we can imagine will replace it. What is coming? It will be glorious. That's all I can tell you. It will be absolutely glorious. Look at she smiling back there. Okay, 1547.
0: The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven.
1: Okay, yes, the first man was of the earth made of dust, the second man, okay, is the Lord from heaven. That one didn't say the Lord. There you go, that was the difference I saw. Um, Paul has been speaking of the body of. He's reading from the Alexandrian text. I'm reading from the Byzantine. And I'm just showing you the differences as we, as we go through it. And that way you can understand. You know, that King James and New King James, uh, Robert Young's and some others are based on the Byzantine. And then, you know, the NASB and the NIV and blah, blah, blah. They're off of the Alexandrian. There will be some differences none of them will make theological differences. Okay, I know King James only people will say, oh, well, they take the blood out of this verse. Well, guess what? They put the blood into other verses that the King James and the New King James don't include. Okay, we got a couple in Colossians like that. And so the blood is stressed in both of them. All right. Anyway, um, Paul has been speaking of the body of believers in their current state as well as their bodies to come. He continues with that now to to complement What he has said in the previous verse, he enters this thought. Speaking of Adam, he says the first man was of the earth, made of the dust. Adam is wholly earthly. He came from the earth and his body is suited for life on the earth. The earth is perishable and thus Adam is also perishable. In contrast to this is the Lord Jesus. He is called by Paul here the second man. Paul is not saying that Adam existed before the Lord. But that in the order of redemptive history, and thus the order of the body of the believer, we follow this pattern. Even Jesus followed this pattern, coming in human flesh and participating in his creation. It is the pattern which Paul is focusing on. In other words, when Christ came, this is God incarnate. He is the logos of God, the word of God. When he came, he came into the stream of humanity. He put on garments of human flesh. That's the point that Paul is making. First came Adam, (laughs) next comes Christ. First came the natural, next comes the spiritual. First came the earthly, next comes the heavenly. The Greek gives extra hints concerning the nature of the heavenly body. Citing Myers, Vincent's Word Studies notes that no predicate in this second clause corresponds to the earthy of the first half of the verse because the material of the glorified body of christ transcends alike conception and expression this phrase includes both the divine origin and the heavenly nature and its reference determined by the line of the whole argument is to the glorified body of christ the lord who shall descend from heaven in his glorified body okay that was meyer's comment which was passed on through vincent's word studies To Paul, it is an axiom that Adam stands as the representative of the entire earthly human race. He was created and earthly, and thus all who issue from him bear that same image. Every one of us, it doesn't matter how pretty we are, it doesn't matter how intelligent we are, it doesn't matter. We all bear Adam's image in some way or another. All right. Likewise, the Lord Jesus, he is the head and the representative of all of his spiritual children. Therefore, we, meaning believers in Christ, will participate in his heavenly nature, just as we have participated in Adam's earthly nature. John gives us an insight into this in his first epistle, which is 1 John chapter 3 and in verse 2. We'll read verse 1, that, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be But we know that when he is revealed We shall be like him for we shall see him as he is once again We can't even imagine it right now. We can only think about it, but we can't really understand it or comprehend it all right life application as surely as we bear Adam's image because we are of Adam we shall bear christ's image because we are now in christ once again people that are struggling with afflictions people that are whatever one i read here you know we've got hip problems and we've got sicknesses we've got uh, a baby the mother is having postpartum bleeding we've got all these things there all right those things are temporary they are earthly and they are things that we have to pass through in order to become like christ we're in this body it's just a part of who we are so we need to Keep thinking about what God has in store for us. And that's the hope that we possess. And that's the hope that actually drives missionaries around the world. It's the hope that drives people down to the projects on Saturday morning. It's the hope that has people, you know, spend their whole life pursuing God and telling others about Christ. Is because not of this life. If this was all we had, as Paul says, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. You know, but that we have something that transcends this worthless existence. So don't despair. Be prepared to be amazed. Okay, fifteen forty
0: eight. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as the man as is the man from heaven, so are those who are of heaven.
1: Okay. To show you the difference in translations here, okay? Read that again, and I'm gonna read mine right after it. And you'll see it says the same thing, but they've they've changed it around so that they don't plagiarize one another. Go ahead and read that again.
0: As was the earthly man so are those who are of the earth and as is the man from heaven so are those who are of heaven.
1: okay as was the man of dust so also are those who are made of dust and as is the heavenly man rather than the man from heaven so also are those who are heavenly okay so they're trying their best to not plagiarize one another but at the same time they're trying to give you the sense of what the Greek says and so this is how it goes and that was a great question because How do you know which is correct unless you actually go to the greek you may not know and so you can get into faulty theology by following a single translation where the translators have made all kinds of errors all right and so the more different bibles you read the better off you're going to be there's just no doubt about it if you're captivated by one translation as the king james version translators say if you're captivated by one you'll be in error because it may be this rather than that and they say that about their own translation okay they tell people a diverse body of translations is good for knowing the content and subject of scripture they go through all of the logical arguments telling you why you should do this but even then unless you have the greek or hebrew next to you and i'm not saying you need to know those languages but you you may have a question like burke did is it a being or is it a soul and which one is it and how do we know if you can get access to that and everybody here i would assume has a computer you can get access to it now one thing you want to be careful about and i i know i say things like this but if you ever go to a, uh, a commentary on the Bible okay you're reading different commentaries on a certain uh, uh, verse in the Bible and you want to know what this says and you go to one and somebody says well Strong's number 3728 says okay I wouldn't read any more of that commentary I would stop right there and I would go on and the reason why is because Strong's all that does is it tells you all the possible translations of a word but it doesn't give you the context and unless you know the context i i mean we have different words in english that can mean completely different things based on the context you know and i can't think of one right now but if somebody thinks of one let me know but we have words that the exact same word can mean something completely different in the sentence and so if somebody just says well this can mean well they're giving you one of any possible thing and they're picking and choosing their theology that's not a good way to do that you need to understand what the word means you need to take it in the context of it and then you also need to know and it will always tell you if you go to a good reference what the, uh, the tense of the verb is and what the mood of the verb is and all of those things. And that will help you to put it into its proper context. All right. To just take something arbitrarily out of there and say, well, this means this because probably is not a good analysis to begin with. And I just would stop right there. So the more that you are willing to try to learn the Hebrew and the Greek, and I'm not saying I know the Hebrew and the Greek by any stretch of the imagination but the more that you're willing to understand it a little bit at a time and you will grow in that and you will be able to say i get this now i understand that okay it's just it's it's a help i'm not saying that it's necessary in any way shape or form you can lead somebody to christ with any translation even a crummy one like the new world translation of the jones witnesses you can lead people to christ with them but it's it's the more that you are willing to study these things the better off you're going to be okay now we're in uh, uh 1 corinthians fifteen forty-eight. he's uh just made the statement of fact concerning the state of man in regards to adam and in regards to the lord in verse 46 he said the spiritual is not first but the natural and afterward the spiritual then in verse 47 he noted that the first man was of the earth made of dust the second man is the lord from heaven Verse 48 now further explains verse 47. Verse 46 will be further explained in verse 49. Adam was of the earth made of dust. Logically, then, it follows that as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. All who are in Adam are like Adam. Everything follows after its own kind. Pumpkins don't come from whales, nor do papayas come from mangoes. As Adam is earthly, it naturally follows that all who issue from him will be earthly as well. Likewise, we can take it as an axiom that just as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. Christ is the heavenly man, and therefore all who are of Christ are also of the heavenly. Now, positionally, we're already there in God's mind. Not actually, okay? And so we don't want to also make that kind of a category mistake because there are some people out there that will tell you once you come to Christ, you are supposed to be completely spiritual and you're never going to sin again and, you know, whatever. Okay, that is not correct. We are stuck in these bodies. We're stuck in our frustrations. We're stuck with our limitations. And Christ has promised us he is guaranteed that we will overcome this body because of what he has done and because of our faith in him so we are still in this body but we are heavenly in God's mind and in God's redemptive plans from the time that we come to Christ okay Paul states this as a fact based on verse 47 in the next verse he will show what that means to those who are in Christ so life application if you are in Christ you are in Christ Nothing can change this. He cannot deny himself. If you falter in your walk with him, you may lose your rewards, but your salvation is not in question. Be confident that God's eternal grace and mercy in Christ are greater than your temporary failings. All right. I know it's a short analysis, but he's been repeating himself and building on it. So, okay, 1549.
0: And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven.
1: Okay, this is a little different, not much, as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so also we shall bear the image of the heavenly likeness image. near're very close, okay, so uh this verse explains verse forty six, which said, "However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. Adam is the natural whom Paul is referring to. He was created from the dust and was earthly. As we are descendants of Adam, we bear his image. This means that we are also of the dust. It's an obvious truth that all people know and understand. When our lives end, we quickly decay and return to the earth from which we came. But there's good news for the believer in Christ. As Paul says, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. This does not mean all humans but rather only those who have called on Christ. We are now positionally in Christ, even though we don't actually bear his image. Eventually, we will bear his image, a reality which means that we will never again see decay or corruption. What he is like, we shall also be like. As our current body is suited to the earth and is tied to our relationship to Adam, our future body will be suited to heaven and it will be tied to our relationship in Christ. I went over to Bank of America this morning, which I do once a week, and I suppose that the girls at the bank probably thought it would be nice if Charlie was in his heavenly body right now, because I was wearing the same shirt that I wore yesterday. I was over at Mr. Magnuson's house, and he has a big oak tree that fell over, and I've been enjoying cutting it up, and so I was over (laughs) there, and I was sweating and gross. You know, after working all day in the morning, I wear the same clothes until Friday. I don't care how bad they get. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not going out and putting on a tuxedo to work at the mall and cut down trees. But anyway, I uh, worked in the mall for three or four hours, and I was uh, blowing off the parking lot and taking care of everything. And then I went to Mr. Magnuson's house and did an hour or so of work over there. And then this morning, I got up and put on my same dirty clothes and went to the mall and did some more work and cut some more trees with the chainsaw. And then I went to the bank. And when I walked in there, I know that they probably thought, gee, this guy stinks right now because I smelled like wood. I smelled like gas. I smelled like Charlie Garrett. And so, you know, this is the image that we bear. We bear Adam's image and everything that goes along with that. You know, you get old and you get, you know, skin tags and stuff all over your body. And this is part of that. This is going to be a completely different order than what we have right now. What Christ promises us is going to be completely different. My hair is falling out if i take off my bandana you know i'm as bald as uh, you know whatever a baby just born and that's what happens i used to be young and handsome and cute but we're in this she's (laughs) laughing back there we're in this body we're falling apart there's nothing we can do about it i i will say this now because it's behind me and i didn't call my brothers or my mother until i you know knew the situation but I was kind of afraid for my dad was it yesterday morning or two mornings ago he came over and he said he had a real problem at night something that anyway uh, I I won't give you the details but the whole day I was concerned that you know maybe he's not going to make it much longer and he went to the doctors and they seemed to think that maybe it was uh, due to something that you know wasn't a problem and they scheduled him for the 26th of November which is a long way away which tells you they're not overly concerned that's right but this is this is life I mean there's a point where either I'm gonna die or my father's gonna die first that's all there is to it unless the Lord comes for us at that time and we both go up together but this is life so just keep thinking about what Christ has because we're all going through this in one way or another whether it's a friend or whether it's a family or whether it's you know whatever this is a temporary existence and we just got to get through it it should be noted that some translations here say, let us bear rather than we shall also bear. Let me read it here. It says here, and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also shall bear, okay? Whereas some of them say, let us bear the image of the heavenly man, okay? This comes from a variant reading in some manuscripts, but this does not flow with the rest of Paul's words in the surrounding verses. He is not exhorting us, but rather teaching us, his words in this chapter are an explanation of the issue. It is true that because we are in Christ, we should act in that manner. But regardless of whether we do or to what level we do, we shall, in fact, bear the image of Christ, the heavenly man. So, you see, he's not he has not been giving any exhortations, and he's not going to suddenly change that. He is giving us a logical, a doctoral dissertation on what we are and what we will be. And he wouldn't suddenly change and say, okay, so let's act like Christ he's got other epistles where he does that and other places in this epistle where he does that so yeah uh, that's why I say and I think I've got it coming up in a sermon in a couple of weeks or so maybe not maybe uh, I think it's the one I type Monday so it'll be nine weeks away but if that's the case I will say it right now so you can remember it when you read your Bible you should have at least one of the Bibles that you have open before you should have something called yes footnotes and then, if it also has commentaries at the bottom of the Bible, I would like you to ignore those commentaries because Bible commentaries that are this big on a page this big aren't going to tell you anything. They're there to make you feel good. That's all they're there for. Very few Bible commentaries are going to have anything of any substance that's really going to teach you proper doctrine. It's going to be the biased opinions of whoever that commentator is. But these footnotes right here, are where the meat of what you need to know are so when you see that little a up there or a one next to the word bear you go down to the bottom and you say the Masoretic text reads let us also bear or I'm sorry the M text not the Masoretic I'm thinking of the Hebrew anyway M text says alright so when you see those little things always read the footnotes always and your doctrine and your theology will go up and up and up very quickly if you sit sit there and read those commentaries at the bottom of your study bible your doctrine is not going to go up you're going to have whatever doctrine that person whether it's charles ryrie or you know whoever wrote that study bible that's all you're going to get is his ideas about something and like i said we've got you know how many verses on this one page we'll say 20 25 verses on this one page and we'll have at least 30 or 40 pages of commentary to get through this one page and that's not just my commentary that's the commentary of people like Vincent and Charles Ellicott and Albert Barnes and Myers New Testament studies and on and on and on and on okay I read all of them in order to come to a conclusion that I think is proper all right so if you're reading those little commentaries down there you're not really doing yourself a service other than to maybe get a a, a kind of an idea of what's going on right there if you're not sure maybe you'll get a little bit of an idea but I would not let it sink in as a brain squiggle okay so um, having said that um, Paul's words and the surrounding verses I said this he's not exhorting us but he is teaching us life application Christ rose from the dead never ever to see corruption he possesses a resurrection body which is glorious and it is suited for eternity we shall be changed to be like this as well what occurs here is temporary and yes it will pass what is coming will be eternal. And it will be glorious. So don't lose hope, but rather cling to the truth that is presented in the Bible concerning our future state. Oh, we're getting so close, aren't we? 1550, go ahead. I declare to
0: you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable.
1: Only difference here is the corruption inherit incorruption. Other than that, it's the same. In verse 35, Paul noted that someone will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? He has been answering this question since then by making analogies that we can comprehend based on our knowledge of things. However, an entirely new revelation is given from him which is not based on analogy. Rather, it is given as a statement of fact. His words, now I say brethren, mean that he is being adamant about his thoughts and they are words directed specifically and only believers now it doesn't mean that they're not addressed to people that are non-believers that are curious about what will happen to believers but they have to be a believer before this comes about in them okay flesh and blood is a term which is set against flesh and bone according to Genesis 9 verse 4 and a principle taught many many times after that in Scripture the life is in the the blood when Jesus died on the cross his blood was shed this was the necessary evidence to prove his death. After the resurrection, he used the term flesh and bones when showing himself to the apostles. That was done in, let me take you to Luke 24. And he says there in Luke 24. Got uh, page flipping all over the place here. Luke 24 and in verse 39, he says oh where are we Um, behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself handle me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have how the Jehovah's Witnesses can take that verse and completely brush it aside and say that Jesus Christ was raised a mighty spirit being he was not a physical being is incredible it's literally that you could dismiss maybe that he ate you know fish well he's a spirit being but he just did that when he says specifically behold my hands and my feet that it is i myself handle and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see i have i don't know how anybody could make the mistake that it doesn't say what it says but they do this same basic terminology was used by adam and eve guess what when they were created back in genesis chapter 2 right at the very beginning of the bible right when man is put together it says in genesis whoops genesis chapter 2 verse 23 and adam said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man implying that he is bone and flesh and that she was taken out of him so it's the same terminology these words bone and flesh are used quite a few more times in scripture to indicate identification Between individuals. The last time it is used is found in Ephesians chapter 5. So I'll take you there really quickly and we'll see what that has to say. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 30. It says there, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, when speaking of the relationship between believers within the body of Christ. However, the words flesh and blood are used when speaking of Jesus' earthly ministry. A ministry which is now complete that is found explained in the book of Hebrews man what a marvelous book I'm telling you Hebrews is such a treasure Hebrews chapter 2 and in verse 14 it says for we have been become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end well it is said oh, I'm in chapter 3 I need to get into verse 2 to be in the right verse people Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, okay? The flesh and blood is corruptible, and this state cannot inherit the kingdom of God. What our bodies will be like, the body shows, whatever they are, will be like, the body, the Bible shows that they will be different than we now possess, This is why Paul is so very careful to show us that our corruption will not inherit incorruption. Life application, our current bodies, as marvelous as they are, are weak and corruptible. The blood which runs through our veins will someday be replaced with a new life force, a life force which will allow us to continue on through all eternity. Hold fast to the truth that God has it all under control and that what he has promised will come about just as written. 51. Listen,
0: I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep,
1: but we will all be changed. Okay, behold. Other than that, listen. He said, listen, I thought he was talking to me. Like, what?
2: (laughs) Behold. That's the nursery
1: verse. Nursery, yeah. Go ahead.
2: That's what it says. We're not all going to sleep, but we're all going to be changed.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) You're so. I knew something was coming. Perk, I knew something was coming. I don't know if you heard what he said. That's a nursery verse. We're not all going to sleep, but we're all going to be changed, implying diapers. Okay. Very good. That was cute. I I like that. Okay. Um, Let's see here. Now I can't remember what I'm doing. (laughs) Behold. Behold. This verse and the next one come to come are rapture verses. They provide details that when taken with other rapture verses of the New Testament, so the general order in which the rapture will occur within the framework of the greater panorama of redemptive history. Paul's words here are descriptive in the sense that they depict what will occur. However, they are to be taken literally. One must have rapture theology trained out of them to deny a literal rendering of what he says. When taken at face value, they are clear and obvious. Now, I'm telling you this. If you take that verse that we just read and the surrounding verses and you go to somebody that has never read the bible has never heard of christian theology and you say what does that say they will say that means that people are going to be changed and they're going to be taken out of here i don't care who you give it to there is no person that will ever read those and say that doesn't say what it says they will say that says exactly what it says you have to have this trained out of you to deny the rapture you have to I don't care. Try me on it. Go to somebody tomorrow with your Bible and say, do you know the Bible? No, I've never read it. Do you know about the rapture? What's the rapture? Would you please read this and just tell me what that says? And they will tell you. There's no person that will ever not say what this says. Unless you start getting trained by people that say, oh, the rapture isn't really going to happen. And then all of a sudden they say, oh, and it's trained into them. And for the rest of their life, they have what is known as a presupposition that this verse doesn't mean what it means. This verse is very clear. It is descriptive, it's describing what's going to happen, but it is very clear. It's to be taken literally, okay? Paul first begins with, behold, or listen. The word is horao. According to HELP's word studies, it means properly see, often with metaphorical meaning, to see with the mind. In other words, to spiritually see. And then you would perceive with inward spiritual perception. That's the behold that he's giving us. This is just what Paul intends with the use of the word because he next says, I tell you a mystery. The word mystery is, does anybody know it in the Greek? Mysterion, that's right, okay, good. In addition to meaning mystery, it carries the connotation of a secret of which initiation is necessary. In the New Testament, the counsels of God, once hidden but now revealed in the gospel or some fact thereof, the Christian revelation generally, particular truths or details of the Christian revelation. In other words, Paul is now explaining something that until he revealed it to those at Corinth with his words in writing here, was completely unknown except to him. Why is that important?
2: Dispensations.
1: Dispensations, and especially that Matthew 24 is not speaking of the rapture. When Jesus was speaking about no man knows the day and the hour of to come, he was not telling them anything that they would not be schooled in already, which is the day of the Lord, the coming of the day of the Lord, and all that that encompasses. He was not saying anything about the rapture because they didn't even know that there would be a church age. They had no idea what was coming. He was speaking to Israel under the law prior to his crucifixion. There is nothing that he said in any time during the three synoptic gospels, which can be taken and applied to the church age, nothing. He was speaking to the Jews about the coming kingdom age, and they had no idea what he was talking about. No idea. I'm sorry. They had no idea about the rapture because he wasn't speaking about those issues. Paul, 30 years later or so, after the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, is now explaining something that he was given. He was given this information personally, and he is now explaining it to them. Okay, so that's very important to understand, because if you take and you mix your dispensations, you will always, not sometimes, you will always have wrong doctrine. It will always happen. When you take dispensations and say, Jesus said this, and uh, Paul says this here, like Jesus said, pray that you may, may be counted worthy when you stand before the Son of Man. That doesn't apply, but if you take what Paul says here, you now have a contradiction in your theology, and it will always be the case. It's not a question of, I may have a a contradiction here and here. You will always, because he was not speaking about this dispensation, about the dispensation of grace, about being sealed with the Spirit and after belief and being saved. You don't have to pray if you're going to be counted worthy. You are not worthy, but for the blood of Christ. And because he died, you are worthy. Okay, so be very careful about mixing those things up, because you will always have some type of problem in your doctrine if you mix those up. Always. The largest error, I would say, the single largest error in Christian theology comes from using the book of Acts in a prescriptive manner. That's probably the largest. You want to always, always read Acts as simply describing what happened. It's not a book of doctrine. It's not there to set theology. It's to show us what happened during the establishment of the church from, and we'll go through the book of Acts again. I'm uh, we'll, we'll do it again eventually, but I will assure you that that is the greatest error in Christianity and why you have Charismatics and why you have Calvinists and why you have uh, uh, Church of Christ believers and they all take something out of Acts and they say, see, And it will always lead you down the wrong path. Paul's words are doctrine for the church age. They are prescriptive in nature, and they tell us what to do and why things happen the way they do. Everything else has to be taken in its proper context. But the next uh, biggest thing after the book of Acts is to mix the dispensations of what Christ says here and what Paul says here. As long as you can understand the differences your theology is going to be set. It's going to be very sound. Anyway, we'll go on from there. Didn't mean to belabor that, but it's a very important precept. Um, So we got the word mysterium. I've explained what it is, and um, it had been revealed in by God, and he was now passing it on for the edification and instruction of the Corinthians, and thus us as well. And the mystery, we've got about eight minutes left, which is now revealed, is that we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. If you explain to somebody what the word sleep means you know some people may say well i don't understand what that means sleep but if you tell them that sleep means paul is speaking of death and they read that afterward then they would understand and they would say well obviously it says what it says that's what i'm saying when somebody says that it it, when i say it has to be trained out of you it does we'll go on again we shall not all sleep meaning die but we shall all be changed the meaning is obvious on its surface not all believers in Christ will die a physical death. We don't know who will and who won't. We could leave here tonight and die and the rapture might happen 5 minutes later. We have no idea. But not all will die. Paul uses the Christian concept of sleep to mean physical death, but will instead be transformed immediately from the earthly to the heavenly body that he described earlier. Paul will continue with his rapture theology to the Christian to the Corinthians in the next verse and then he will explain why this will occur and the hope which it signifies in this other than the fact that there will be living christians at the time of the event no specifics concerning that timing are given in this epistle rather it must be discerned by uniting these words with those in other areas of the new testament especially 1 corinthians i'm sorry 1 thessalonians chapter 4 and 2 thessalonians chapters 2 and 3 Anyway, and some other places as well. Life application. Rapture theology is often spoken against by Christian fuddy-duddies. Don't be a Christian fuddy-duddy. Instead, accept what the Bible says at face value and know that the Lord will bring the people of his church to himself. It is the blessed hope of the faithful. Okay, any fuddy-duddies here that deny the rapture? We don't want any fuddy-duddies. Okay, 52. We got enough, I think, for one more. Do we have time? Yes, I think I can get it in.
0: In a flash. Oh. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed.
1: Okay, this one says a little differently, not much, in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. Watch this, okay? In one second, watch this. Five times. In less than a second, I can blink my eyes. So that means one two hundredth of a second. Is that how it divides? Anyway, it's so fast that we're not even going to know that it happened. Okay? just yes, we'll know. What's that?
2: Um, yes, we'll know.
1: Uh, yeah, we'll know. But I'm talking, about, I'm talking about it's going to happen so quickly that the world in general, we as a species are not even going to know what transpired. It's just going to be done. All right. In the previous verse, Paul explained, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now to prove, provide detailed insight into this marvelous event, he says that it will come about in a moment. The word he uses is atamas. Anybody? adam that's right atom, which is where we get our word adam from it is only used this one time in the new testament it comes from a prefix ah which means not anytime you see ah like atheist would be atheist all right not believing in god ah not and temnal which means to cut thus it indicates a moment of time which is indivisible it's an indivisible indivisible instant in explanation of that he further defines what he means by saying in the twinkling of an eye. Once again, five times in less than a second. Okay, it's so quickly that we can't even imagine it. The word used to describe this is also used only this once in the New Testament. It is rife. It means a glance, a twinkle, or a flash of the eye, a rush of wind, or a flame, or any rapid movement. It comes from another word, ripto, which indicates to throw or to cast or to toss or to set down or maybe to pass. It is thus an event which occurs in one combined action without any delay and nothing to hinder it. A person can blink, as I showed you, their eyes five times in a single second. So fast is this that the brain doesn't always register events which occur so quickly as they flash by. This is the rapidity of the event which is coming. It will be as if a door is opened, we are taken, and then the door is closed before those around us can even perceive what occurred. Then the timing of the event is given for us. Nobody can say that we can't know when the rapture will occur. The fact is that we have been told in advance that it will be at the last trumpet. Far too often this is taken is used by students of prophecy to indicate that this sudden event will occur at the seventh trumpet judgment of Revelation. There's no substantiation for this at all. And it doesn't fit with a host of other verses in the Bible which indicate that we will be gone long before not during or after the events of the seven-year tribulation period if you want all of those verses broken down into one succinct Uh, 40-minute talk I will send you the link I did it on it on a prophecy update a couple years ago and I give you exactly the timing of the rapture but we're not going to know the day we're not going to know the season or any of those things Jesus said that right at the beginning of the book of Acts one of the one or two prescriptive verses in all of the book of Acts is where Jesus speaks and he says it's not for you to know the time or the seasons which the father has under his own authority but you and then go get about your business and then what does Paul repeat right before he says this and uh 2 Thessalonians concerning the times and seasons he's repeating Jesus saying there's no point in speculating on this because you are not going to know okay rather we're not going to know it rather the last word the word last here for trumpet the last trumpet is described well by Albert Barnes he says it does not imply that any trumpet shall have been before sounded at the resurrection but is a word denoting that this is the consummation or close of things. It will end the economy of this world. It will be connected with the last state of things. So when he says last trumpet, he's not speaking about some other trumpet that blew before it. He's speaking about the last trumpet, meaning the end of this particular dispensation. Understanding this then shows that even though we know exactly when the rapture will occur, which is the last trumpet, we will not know when the last trumpet will occur instead all we need to know is that when the trumpet sounds we're out of here so keep your ears always ready for that wonderful blast all right when the trump sounds the blessed hope of the believer in Christ will be realized for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed wait a minute am I did I want to make sure i got the right uh 1550 yeah that's correct okay i want to make sure i got that um the many words paul has used so far in this chapter to describe our resurrection bodies will be realized in each believer at that moment all who have called on christ from the dead of thousands of years ago all the way to the final sinner who says i'm sorry lord jesus i receive you as my savior at that last moment before the trump Will be caught away together every single one of them and not one will be missing we shall be changed never again to see corruption or death life application and we are done just on time we can send we can send an entire movie through the internet in a moment something that wasn't even conceived of a short time ago we can send all of the information of the internet around the world with tinker toys that we call computers if we can do these things then why should we believe it is impossible that god can do what he states in his word just as his word states it have faith in god and trust in his word that is what we're expected to do Uh, no grave grave is going to hold this body down that is absolutely right and it's going to happen and it is going to be one of those things that The people that are dead in Christ are going to be raised and we're going to be changed, all of us together. It is something that is absolutely sure. It is absolutely true. And as I said, if you're in doubt about what I said, take your Bible to somebody that has never read about the rapture before and ask them to read those verses and just simply tell them what sleep means. Tell them that means people that are dead in Christ. Other than explaining those words, which are common terminology for Christians, let them tell you what they're saying. And not one of them will say, oh, that doesn't mean what it says you have to have that trained out of you and what a sad thing we do when we do that because this is the hope that we have um there you go let's have a prayer and we'll be out of here heavenly father we thank you so much for the wonderful chance to look into these verses wow what an exciting hope we have because of what christ has done for us and he went before us into the grave he came out of the grave to prove it that he is capable of doing these things and he is qualified to do them and he has prevailed over them and so we have a sure hope it's not just a hope that is passing and temporary and that will be uh uh, obsolete on the day we die or on the day we have a problem in our life but we can live to it and we can be assured that something really wonderful is coming so give us the courage and the uh, ability to get out and tell other people about it and to be bold and not to waffle in our rapture convictions when we talk to people if they dismiss it and laugh at us so be it your word says it and so we should be confident in it then we should stand by it with all assurance that it is the truth. We thank you for that. We thank you for all the good blessings of this life. And we do praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Oh, the what? I hear that. Oh, amen. I know Susan's here. There you go. Okay. Oh, we've got
1: to say goodbye to a uh, break. I, I'm pushing. The, I almost pushed.